0: So it's July 28th, <clears throat> 316 a.m. Two things. One, if you're enjoying the show, please go ahead and rate it on whichever app that you're using, Spotify Apple Music Stitcher. It helps me out a lot. Second thing that I like to add is there's actually a message that the person participating in this call left, and it's as follows. Hi, thanks for the opportunity. I hope I didn't swear too much. Though my partner says she overheard more swear words than I remember. There's one thing I'd like to add that I didn't mention. The fact that your poor mental health convinces you that others are better off without you, and by taking your all on life, you're actually doing them a favor. I wish I'd mentioned it in our chat. I think it's very relevant. So if you could mention it as an addendum, I think it may be helpful for someone. Thanks again. I hope it helps someone. Just one would be enough for me. Yo,
1: jackplex answer the fucking phone, dude.
0: person who had very real suicidal ideation and you survived by pure luck and you've lived to tell the tale. So I guess the first question that kind of comes into my mind when I read that is, um, how long ago was it that you were having these, um, these thoughts?
1: It was the, uh, end of 2008, so it was some years ago.
0: Can you tell me more about like the headspace that you were in during that time?
1: Yeah, well, the background to it was, uh, I didn't get married till I was 38 and uh, I'd only been married for four years. And in the, the the last year, last of the four years, the marriage was breaking down and because, I don't know if it was partly because of Catholic, maybe not really, because I'm not really a practical Catholic, but I was very invested in the marriage and I was desperately wanted it to work when it clearly wasn't working. And I was beating myself up trying to make something worked that clearly wasn't working, and I, I was just going round and round in circles to a point where I became depressed. And at first I didn't realize that I was depressed, but it was pretty apparent that I was after a while.
0: If you don't mind me asking, what were the reasons that it wasn't working out between you both at the time?
1: It's difficult to say, really. Um, I, I think we just stopped communicating, really, and started occupying sort of separate, became less close and did less things together. And when I voiced my concerns that I thought I was getting depressed, maybe that didn't help it. Maybe the depression started first and was fueled by the, the fact that marriage was struggling.
0: I like to kind of like establish a timeline with every person that I talk to. We, we already established that this happened in 2008. And I just want to yeah. flash forward to right now in 2022 really quick. Do you still keep any communication with this person or no?
1: No, I haven't done since about the last time I spoke to it was probably about three months after the incident.
0: Currently, your headspace right now. How would you say that you feel about this person?
1: Indifferent, I'd say that.
0: So let's go back to 2008, where you're in, just in this not a very good headspace overall. So the the marriage wasn't really working out at the time, and then you began to have these. Would you say? And again, you said that you weren't sure if it had started
1: before it started yeah. failing. I'm not sure. It was quite a difficult time the last six months. I voiced the concerns to my partner, and my partner was uh, also had suffered from depression. Sadly, it wasn't very really well received. It came a bit like, my depression's worse than your depression. So it wasn't really let me that met with any empathy or sympathy, which didn't really help my cause. So I, felt I had nobody to discuss it with, and at the time, I was quite a I was the sort of bloke that wouldn't talk to my friends about it, so I internalised it all.
0: So this person uh, who you were married to already told you that they were suffering from similar feelings. Uh, Did you know this since the beginning of the marriage or?
1: Yes, I did. Yeah. I knew she was taking uh, medication for depression. Yes.
0: Okay. So it was already, already well established to you that this person just had a, this was an ongoing struggle for them in their life.
1: Yes.
0: Oh, so I guess that definitely added That probably made you feel bad, too, because you voiced your concerns to this person and they didn't really reciprocate, especially since, I mean, you already knew that this person was feeling their feelings. It seems like you were probably pretty supportive of them at the time, too.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I didn't express it until I was feeling feeling it really quite bad because I didn't want to burden her with what I was suspecting was depression.
0: And why do you think that the communication just kind of fell off?
1: think part of my uh depression was i ended up being quite insular and our communication worsened partly because of it partly because of my own depression and the inability to discuss it between each other
0: so you were the primary communicator for the most part
1: no i wouldn't say primary if i'm honest no i wouldn't say i was a primary communicator no
0: but definitely you having those feelings just kind of slowed down your ability to do so
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Yeah. And definitely. you know, it's crazy too. like communication in general. I think as I get older and older, I realize how difficult communication is. It's really difficult to just even just waking up and then just having or texting somebody good morning or just saying um, I love you sometimes can be difficult because as a human being, you just go through so many different stimuli and emotions throughout the day that sometimes it's just easier to just keep it in than to actually Put it into words and express it i think after doing it so consistently just small things and it doesn't even have to be anything big either it's just it could even be as small as going out sometimes too it just it does wear down on you uh, after a certain point and that's me and i'm privileged enough to say that i'm in a regular headspace so i can only yeah. imagine how that was for you during that point in time at what point did you realize that it was a really really big issue
1: really when the the gaps between the the depression started Shortening, It started occasional, and the gaps over months shortened and shortened to a point where there were no gaps.
0: Tell me a little bit of the thoughts that you were having in your head at the time.
1: Well, catastrophizing. Just feeling low without any, sometimes without any sort of... Well, the marriage was a problem. I was really internalizing about about that. And just generally, it was like a, just a, a pall of gloom that... Like I say, the, the gaps between the, the gloom just kept shortening and shortening. To, and the worst thing about depression, I found, was it robs your perspective. So while you're in the throes of it, I found myself unable to make any sort of rational decisions robbed rob me of all that critical thinking, really.
0: What do you think was the most irrational decision, or one of the most rational decisions that you made in that headspace?
1: Well, it was to kill myself. That was a, was a rational decision I made, without a shadow of a doubt. And it, it was just this gloom that was building up and building up. I liken it to, have you ever seen those TV programs where they do like um, special forces, where they have members of the public trying to be special forces and they go through those. Where they do that interrogation and they'll put hood over your head and then put earphones over your ears and play like loud music or crying babies, something like that. To a point where that's a bit what depression is like. It's like what how it was for me. It was in the early doors, I was getting that occasionally to a point where it was all consuming, the gaps were shortening and shortening, where it was all the time. And then I just couldn't cope at that point. Because there was, there was no respite, if it was occasional, you could say, well, you know, it comes and goes. There was good days and bad days, and then in the end, there were no good days.
0: Akin to those noises that you, would, you were describing, um, like some mm-hmm. like the baby crying and like the headphones and stuff, would you say that the sound for you just would have been just overall negative thoughts?
1: Exactly. That that's excellent true. Just negative thoughts, unable. So so you uh, might maybe in the course of a healthy person's day, I don't know, you'd have seventy percent positive thoughts, thirty percent negative thought po- thoughts. Mine went the went from the side of it to about fifty fifty, to just one hundred percent. I just I couldn't see anything rational to to stop these negative thought process
0: really. I've had a couple other people, not even on the show, but just in my personal life when they describe um, the symptoms of depression to me and they describe to me how difficult it can be to even just get up and just brush your teeth and how difficult it can be to just get up and clean your room and just do very, very simple tasks because of this headspace that you're in.
1: Everything Which- I was doing in the real world at work was labored the more difficult, definitely.
0: Did you ever have like a point in time where you had like a, a cry for help? Or- yes.
1: Not prior to that, I'd not voiced any suicidal thoughts to anybody. But the build-up and bit i was just going back to that thing about the comparison with the the sort of interrogation type training. Where you know, in the end, where you just can't go, they're just handing their armband because they just can't take it anymore. That's how I felt, really. I just—I just made the call to myself. I just—I I, can't—I can't do this, and I can't feel like this all the time. I must have had some rational thoughts, or well, maybe moments of lucidity, because I thought if I, if I do do this, I know the carnage I will leave behind, but the more powerful drive was to not feeling like that all the time. I just wanted it to end.
0: This, this leads to a whole other conversation too. So even like considering the, like you said, like the, the carnage that you leave behind and, and doing this action, it, it was almost like you you completely understood this but these emotions were just so unbearable that even with knowing the consequence it just wasn't it just wasn't worth it you would rather in that headspace uh, just get away from these feelings than even care too much about
1: that that's why i always think other people have had a family member or a loved one take their own life they always i was without having experienced it i think there's lots of suggestions like they're selfish or just so many questions why why, what how could they how could they you have to inhabit these feelings to know that when the bigger drive is to stop them happening than it is referencing the real world outside that well you can't reference it like because like i said the the depression stops you rationalizing so you your primary focus is to stop feeling shit all day every day and it's just how much tolerance you have of that. Some will have more, greater tolerance than others. But in the end, I thought, I just can't, I just can't inhabit this space
0: 24-7. Did you go through with this and then actually attempt it?
1: No. H- how it came about was, I made a co- I decided I was going to do it. I decided I couldn't cope with these feelings anymore, and I was going to take my own life. How it came about was, well, well just to say another thing, for, for a at that point, when I made that call, I was actually really calmer for the first time in, well, as long as I could remember since I had the depression. I felt strangely elated that it was going to end, that was a, a finer end to it. So, yeah.
0: I wanted to clarify about that. So as someone who, um, I mean, you were just clearly deep into idealizing this action. Hmm. What would you say to people, I would say I have the audacity to say that um, people who actually go through and commit it are selfish or people who actually go through and commit it are just bad people
1: oh i hear that a lot and if you haven't experienced it, i can see why people would draw those conclusions but it's a bit like your body's being stress tested all day every day and eventually however it is whatever anybody's threshold eventually at some point that depression has got hold of you to to break it it's found your breaking point and you'd have to experience it to know what it feels like to be that broken to a point where you can't take any more of it there's no there's no joy in your life there's no anything in your life it's a bit like a bit like a dead man walking really you just some days you just feel nothing it's just i don't know you you certainly don't feel any joy there's nothing there's nothing to uplift your life you're just immersed in this headspace of negativity or Nothingness, and it just overwhelmed you. You feel like a totally different per- person. It's quite a headfuck, really.
0: I, I want to bring it back to right this 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 moment that you were describing, where you were at this this moment of, I guess you could say, peace, when you were.
1: Yeah, I think it was peace. Yeah, it was peace.
0: So can you describe to me like the physical situation that you were in and like the setting?
1: Yeah, I was. Uh, I was still living with my wife at the time. I said, uh, my I came from a, a town about seventy miles away from where we we're living at the time. I still had family and friends, obviously in my hometown. It wasn't unusual for me to visit them about once every month, once every two months for a weekend. Sometimes my partner would come, wife would come with me, sometimes you wouldn't, depending on whether it was a sort of lad's night or not, you know? Mm-hmm. And I wrote suicide letters. I wrote three suicide letters. I wrote one to my wife. I wrote one to the family. And I wrote one to my best friend and then I hid them in a wardrobe now, I, I, I know you're going to say, gonna say, got to be cry-felt, you knew you'd get discovered. it wasn't that was, I hid them somewhere, went. my wife never went in my wardrobe ever ever, she never did, it wasn't, I wasn't looking for them to be found, I didn't want them to be found so I put them inside a sock drawer, I think it was the top of the wardrobe where I kept socks So a sock drawer, can't remember now, I put them in there and my plan was, I'd arrange a weekend with my mates, I'd go back and then have a last hurrah, as it were, and then I'd come back and I'd be doing the acts, taking my life, committing suicide, that's what it is. I can't call it anything now. can't give it a, a sweet name. During the middle of that week, I was planning on doing it. The following week, after the weekend, yeah.
0: What were the sequence of events or thoughts that made you change your mind?
1: I didn't change my mind. The letters got found while I was away. Oh, wow. I was, I was, I was fully prepared to go through with it. I had No deviations on my plan. I was going to go through with it. So, so really, yeah. really
0: quick. That's that's pretty crazy. And I mean, and I, I do fully believe you when you say that uh, you didn't mean for them to be found. But so, since you put them in a place that you didn't think that they were going to be found, like now looking back on, no, it...
1: not over that weekend, and I thought they'd probably get found in a week, couple of yeah. weeks, maybe. Yeah, and that makes not sense in, too because not in that state. Uh, I went to, I went away to the my hometown mm-hmm. on the Friday, I stayed, it was either Friday or Saturday, I went out with my friends Saturday night. I was intending to come back on the Sunday evening I think and then I was going to commit suicide the following week, that was my plan. The letter, I was staying at my uh, brother's house and on the Sunday afternoon before I was due to go back they were found and then the phone call came through to my brother's house. So. Not that fucking elves either, and just uh, that load of aggression, which isn't surprising, is it really?
0: And do you, looking back on it, do you think that was like just like an act of God? Do you think that was just unluckiness or luckiness? Like, how do you, how do you look at that?
1: Well, if I look at it now, <laughs> I'm bloody lucky. I didn't see it that way at the time. No, I didn't want I didn't want to be distracted from my plan.
0: Well, let's go back to the moment where you had, you know, your brother just got this phone call. And first of all, you're getting faced with this aggression, which isn't, in my opinion, I'm sure in your opinion, is not the right way to even go about handling it.
1: It's probably it, well, it's two ways, isn't it? It's understandable, but you would think after the initial, I thought it was over the top, which probably says quite a lot about my relationship really. That rather, oh, how is he? Any sympathy out there? But I wasn't looking for that. I didn't care really. I ended up checking myself into. I ended up going to the local hospital. In fact, my brother rang a local mental health crisis team, and they suggested I go to the hospital. And when I went to the hospital, they said to me, "How do you feel about being discovered?" I said, "I don't feel anything." I was saying to. Her, I remember saying then them to the saying it to the doctors at the side because they were, they were assessing me and seeing how well it was, did I need to be kept in? Well, I was clearly a hard to myself at the time, but I remember saying to them, I used to be in the army when I was younger, and I remember we were in an army firing range once and there was like, you know, we are using live ammunition and one man goes down, shoots cover, the other one runs forward, you know, you know, cross cover. And there was this lad in front of me who tripped over with a loaded gun The muzzle went under his chin and he pulled the trigger, but he had his safety catch on and he just froze. And he was just in shot, stood there, and he had to be led backwards, walking backwards off the range because his head had gone, he'd frozen. And that's how I felt in that moment. I I didn't have a plan B. I had no, I was just numb
0: following this entire event you know just you, you got found out and then you were in this hospital what led you to having a a better outlook on life did you get medicated
1: well um, because i was in a different medical area i had to go back to where i lived seventy miles away because that's how it works in the uk if you if you have a problem your local health authority have to take care of you so i had to go back to Well, in fact, I think my brother may have... My wife certainly wasn't for seeing me at that time. I think my brother may have driven me. I can't remember my head wasn't in the right place. But somehow, I ended up going back to my hometown and checking into a psychiatric ward where I was assessed and deemed to need psychiatric help. And I was in there for a month. And uh, one thing I discovered, I remember talking to a nurse there, and she said, you know that about 80% of people or more actually complete suicide and hospitals are uh, full of failed attempts with a lot of badly damaged people brain damage and whatever you know how how the the consequences of their lack of completion and that was a real eye-opener to me also i saw a lot of people you, uh, everybody else is a bit nutter, aren't they? Except you, so you think. When, and when you go to a psychiatric ward, there's obviously a lot of people with some quite complex mental health needs. And, um, and I was able to observe these people on a daily basis I thought, I don't want this to be my life going forward. And I decided that perhaps the best strategy was probably leave the marriage and see if I, whether my mental health problems were apart from them, because of them, or a bit of both. And so I decided I'd go formulate a plan to not go home, rent an apartment, and see how things went on my own. And by that time, I was also receiving um, antidepressants as well, which really helped me. That, I, I, I describe, you know, like you get on a radio, radio wave, you get peaks and troughs. Right uh, to me, when you're depressed, you're at the bottom of the of the trough with no ladder, and the walls are slippy, and you can't get up. Uh, what I found that antidepressants did for me was they firstly they take the edge off, so it's a bit like a bit like polyfiller. So they fill it in gradually at the bottom, and then they fill it in a bit more the the longer you take them. Then to a point where you you're halfway up or just over half, and you're peering over the top, and then you get back some reasoning and thinking skills, and then you can start to think about. Because at the time I didn't know what I was going to do. I, like I said, I had no plan B. But once I took the antidepressant and they took. Stop me feeling so anxious and shit all the time. I found some of me critical thinking start to return and then started to develop plans on what strategies and what I might need to get myself out of that situation.
0: Are, are you thankful for your experience in the in the psychiatric ward?
1: Yeah, oh yeah, same my yeah, definitely.
0: Do you have any other particular moments in the psychiatric ward that you, you think you might have made a realization or that you look back on?
1: I think it was a, gra- uh, a gradual, a combination of being away from the environment that wasn't help, helping me in the first place, that was added, I don't know, sense wise, how much the environment was causal, but being away from that, I had some good therapy, some good treatment. I think it was a combination of all those things that gradually nursed me back to a point where I felt I could leave and I could try and begin to get back the rest of my life. My wife was pretty clear. She wanted nothing to do with me after that. Nothing whatsoever. It was it was non-negotiable. That sort of, in a way, made it a bit more of a binary decision. Well, I don't have to mess around with that, do I? So trying to work my way back or what have you. So my problem really was just about getting myself back to health.
0: Did she ever make an effort to communicate with you while you were in the psych ward or at any point? She came
1: a couple of times, but she would very much speak about me, not to me, to uh, the doctors.
0: She Wyatt. made up
1: her mind. she made up. On the day she found those notes, she made up her mind. She wanted nothing more to do with me. She was not up for any rescuing or mediation in the marriage at all. No, definitely not. No.
0: It just seems as though she didn't have a genuine uh feeling of care, almost.
1: but like I say, my rational skills weren't the best of the time, but uh, that's what other friends and family who visited me they drew that conclusion and i i was being a bit excused or maybe she yeah, you know, it was a bit shit on her but they were they were saying that to me her behavior is quite strange there's no empathy or what have you it's quite odd behavior on her part
0: and uh looking back on that like this this lack of empathy um does it make you feel as though you almost like in a weird sense like almost like dodged a bullet overall because yeah. that's that's just so strange to <laughs> me was, like,
1: yeah I look back now and I think, how did I ever get in that mess how the hell did I ever get so yeah. how did my life even become close to top of when I was younger I had a conversation with a friend you know as you do you talk all sorts of stuff with your best mate and you say oh do you think you could ever kill yourself I said no chance not me I wouldn't let myself get that low I said you, prior to that prior to all the depression I used to have a sort of mental coping strategy of if I was thinking a bit negative I'd arrest that. Thought, you know, and not go down a spiral with that. You know, just change, mentally change subject. And that's what I said. I said, that's what I do. I mentally change subjects. So I could never get that low that I'd ever considered taking my life. Push forward 15 years later, and the fellow who thought he could never even entertain it was wanted it.
0: Her her behavior still like almost like baffles me. It's so surprising that she had that. It does,
1: yeah. I mean, I'm, I definitely do Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how the hell I thought it was weird. Looking do you back think- at it
0: when you when you reflect on the relationship as a whole um do you think that it was overall just kind of weird too like did she have this behavior all the time or did it just come out more so well
1: just it's not to put your finger on certain things but dodge the bullet is a very good description and i don't just think back and think god how they even ended up you know before the an odd thing though before the marriage i remember thinking on you know you know how you can get like bride's nerves and groom's nerves i remember thinking the day before i'd cold feet so something must have told me something back then but you get caught up in the moment i wouldn't be the first or the last that went ahead anyway with doubts the
0: the timeline is you know you you went through the psych ward and then you you get this apartment you're you're kind of like getting back on your feet you thankfully have gotten back these these critical thinking skills that you didn't have due to your your mindset and uh you know this is still 2008
1: or is this 2009 this is just into i moved into the incident happened in Dece- early December, when the letters were found, early December 2008, I was in the hospital, I think till either the end of December or early January. And then I found myself an apartment and I moved straight from the hospital to this apartment side. So uh, yeah, so I just went straight to this apartment.
0: From that point until now in 2022, um, how have you, how do you feel about yourself? How are you, how are you feeling when you look back on that moment?
1: Well, I, I was on antidepressants for about 18 months, a bit foolishly, I just stopped them, but I can honestly say I've not had the depression return since then. Maybe I shouldn't have been so stupid as to just stop them, but no, and at, at the same time though, um, I, uh, I met somebody shortly after another woman who uh, I've been partners with uh, since then, just a month after, and that's been the biggest benefit to my mental health by far yeah definitely I think if I was left moping around in the flat I wouldn't have have been so chipper (laughs) 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 I might have been down in the doldrums for quite a lot longer but it's amazing what a new relationship does for your uh, mental health
0: so it seems like this is just like a overall um, definitely has its lows but it seems overall it seems to be a a, uh, successful story Overall.
1: Oh yeah, really I, that, like that's it. why I—that's um, why I'm keen to let others know that there can be life afterwards. It doesn't have to be a life sentence. If even coming back from suicidal thoughts, I at that time I was 100% going to do it. I couldn't see anything beyond that. I have a great life now, and I'm a well—not mate. I'm—I'm I'm I'm thankful. That's what I am. I'm bloody thankful that uh, that I didn't complete. I'd have lost out of this great life and. Fabulous years and, I mean, at the time I was 43. I'm 56 now, so yeah. Life is good, life can be good. Just even having terrible mental health that can drag you to those depths can be improved with the right medication, the right support. It can be a happy ending. Sadly, it doesn't end that way for everybody, but it it, it shouldn't be a death sentence. And it nearly was for me, but I, I'm grateful now and came out of it at the right end. And if I ever I had any recurring mental health problems, well, another thing I learned as well, oh, another saviour for me, talking, talking. I never used to talk to anybody about about my mental health. For the first time ever, when I went into the psychiatric ward, I learned to talk about it. You know what, what a what a pressure off your shoulders that is. And that's my message to me. Talk, talk, talk! Don't bottle it up because you will spiral downwards if you bottle it up. Talking is is release,
0: and if done properly, it could be a, uh, a, a genuinely just an art. Being able to express yourself and get rid of these emotions and have somebody give their own thoughts and opinions from their experience and their perspective. I mean, I mean, this is pretty much what the show is all about to begin with. It's very humans are the only only species on the planet that are able to naturally develop grammar and syntax. The ages from two to four, which, by proxy, means, at least in my opinion, for my interpretation, that we're meant to be able to express ourselves and meant to be able to talk about mm. it. And I think that that's something that's can be easily forgotten, just in the whims of life and day to day and between work and X and X and X. It's easy, especially with how different genders are socialized between male, female, mm. and any other two. How men are just kind of socialized to not. Um, I would say overall be as expressive especially depending on your home life and other situations and other factors of course but it's definitely something that I think we should all get to doing more uh, if we have the opportunity and the, the privilege to be able to do so
1: that would be my message to you. definitely definitely, I mean British men are particularly impressive. <laughs> I'm a, I was a good example of that terrible, just wouldn't talk about the emotions and, and now I'm very open and uh, yeah it's, it's such a weight off your shoulders because every sort of Ill-fe- ill-feeling, unshared, stables inside you. It just builds up and builds up to a point, well, well possibly where I was at, but... Uh, Another thing is, it, I just say to people who, people who are very harsh on people who commit suicide or have suicidal thoughts, and it's so easy to say, oh, oh they're just being selfish or pull yourself together unless you experience it it can bring the strongest out and real strong people stronger people than me have, have done it and, and just think where must they have been spare a thought for where they were before they took their own life what how what must have been going on in their head for them to take that ultimate call? i just be thankful you've not been there because I tell you, it's a fucking oh, yeah. horrible place to be in.